Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Fenway Rundown, the premier podcast for all things Boston Red Sox. No people harp on the last place thing, but essentially what's important is the record. If the Red Sox want people to start thinking the ownership cares, then maybe they should talk. This is the Fenway Rundown, brought to you by Mass Live. Here are your hosts, Chris Cotillo and Sean McAdam. It's Wednesday. It's the second straight day with a Fenway Rundown podcast. Same setup as yesterday. I'm Chris Cotillo, Sean McAdam alongside. And we're going to talk about the Red Sox finally speaking. Yesterday, Tuesday, we heard from Craig Breslow. We heard from Tom Warner. And there's a, a lot to get through with those comments. Yesterday, Sean McAdam spoke to Tom Warner. Uh, first time he had really gone on record since Craig Breslow's introductory press conference. And before we wrote the story, or before Sean wrote the story, I can't take credit for that, we blasted out some previews and some highlights to those on our Insider Text program, yet another example of why you should sign up for it. Absolutely, Chris. And all you need to do is text the word JOIN to 617-751-6257, then click the link to subscribe. You get a 14-day free trial period after which it is $4.99 a month. And as Chris noted, uh, yesterday is a good example of why the Insider Text Program can be a valuable tool if you're a Red Sox fan, because you get the news first, you get opportunities to react to it, and Chris and myself and Chris Smith will respond to your questions and comments. Um, it's uh, a nice community that we've built here in the last couple of months. People are enjoying it, and we invite you to join them. So, Sean, let's start with Tom Warner, because that was your reporting. Craig Breslow spoke to Pete Abraham of the Boston Globe. We'll get to some of those quotes in the second half today. Um, you know, I think we both on this show talked about the two words full throttle more than either of us could have ever imagined since he said that in early November. Um, at that point, Tom Warner said, you know, we expect to go full throttle this offseason. Um, this is really you know, in, in not so many words, setting the expectations really high for the Red Sox. And I think as some people pointed out yesterday, you know, there were some other interesting pieces of that quote. Let's just go back and read it so we have it. Uh, we know we have to be competitive next year, so we're going to be competitive next year. We're going to have to be full throttle in every possible way. Talks about going above the CBT, below the CBT, talking about Devers, you need great players. It's not about selling the appeal of the team. It's about having great players. And generally, you need players who have a high war to be a winner. Rafi Devers is a star who will be with us for a long time. 
but we need to complement him with other talent. Uh, one of them talked about Adolis Garcia as being one of the great players of the postseason. Uh, I sometimes say the baseball is somewhat confounding, but obviously when you look back, you need to have stars. Yesterday, uh, I would say a few months later, and again, good on you for getting him and for kind of taking him to, not in a combative way, but taking him to task on, hey, you said this, you guys have not done anything at all um, to that end, really. I mean, no insults to Lucas Giolito, Tyler O'Neill. They might be good players, but it's not full throttle. And Warner said this, maybe that wasn't the most artful way of saying what I wanted to say, which is to say we're going to be pressing all levers to improve the team. In the end, nobody's happy with our performance the last few years. Some years we go after somebody who's about to be a free agent or was a free agent, yada, yada, yada. Um, I, I just, the way I interpret it, and you had the conversation, is a little revisionist history um, by way of kind of faux clarification. Yeah, I, I think he realized that, uh, I mean, as soon as I started the question, he he was kind of chuckling because I think he knew what was coming. He was going to be asked uh, to put into context what he had kind of promised in the first few days of November. And now we're two and a half months into the offseason and that hasn't come to fruition in the least. And I think he knew he was going to have his feet held to, to the fire, but credit for him or at least speaking on the record, uh, mm-hmm. you know, which is more than others in upper management and ownership have done right. since the end of the regular season. And, uh, you know, I think Tom was trying to smooth over, make sure there wasn't, there weren't any inconsistencies to what he said in terms of how the organization has behaved financially since then. He talked about, you know, using every method to try to get better, whether it be trades, free agency, or relying on the farm system, and we're doing everything we can to put a competitive product on the field. But no matter what he said, it's hard to to come away with the idea that they haven't fallen short of their goal to go full throttle this offseason. By any measure, they have not, as you noted, really one significant free agent signing in Giolito. And while he's certainly a, a... has been a quality starting pitcher in the big leagues. He's not by any stretch the star that Werner had talked about trying to find. Um, and I wonder, Chris, whether we're not seeing maybe some of the first cracks uh, in terms of philosophy and how to approach this between John Henry and Tom Werner. Uh, Henry is, of course, the principal owner of the team, Warner, I believe, is still the second biggest stakeholder in the team. They are identified sort of jointly and have been since they arrived in 2002. But I wonder if uh, Warner's comments weren't getting a little ahead of himself last November in hoping that this team was going to resume spending and being aggressive in the free agent market and whether John Henry is instead pulling the reins in against the wishes of other people in ownership and even upper management. Uh, I, I think there's an understanding that this team needed to have a big off season. And while there is still almost a month before the start of spring training, uh, it's impossible to say that they've had that big winter or off season and I'm wondering if, you know, we're, we're going to see a further uh, schism between the desires and philosophies of John Henry and those of Tom Warner and perhaps others. Yeah, I mean, 
it comes down to, I think, you know, and this is more complicated than, you know, probably even percentages or whatever, how it works, but like who ends up having final say and who's cutting the check. I mean, that, that really comes down to John's call at the end of the day. Yeah. I don't think there's any question about that, that John as principal owner, he's not majority owner, meaning he does not own more than 50% of the team, but he owns a bigger chunk than anybody else. And ultimately they, they act on his say so. Mm -hmm. So even if, uh, behind the scenes, Tom Warner is pushing for a more aggressive approach. Uh, at the end of the day, it's John Henry's call as to what the budget is, or, or at least it can be John Henry's call if there is a uh, if there is a uh, divergence between two different philosophies. John ultimately can have the final say. I got some feedback on Twitter. Not that that's ever constructive or useful but um no it, it can be sometimes so you know keep it up folks on x um but some people were saying you know you guys beat the drum for tom and john or sam or craig whoever it is to speak and you see what happens when they speak they put their foot in their mouth and it's not the push to get them to speak is never about we want them to talk to make the red Sox look good and as fans you shouldn't even want that either you just need and should want accountability, transparency. You should want to know their plans, right? And that, I think we got from both Warner and Breslow yesterday. And what I would say, why people were not satisfied with what Tom told you, is that I misspoke, and I meant to say pressing all levers when I said full throttle, and they mean the same thing. They don't. And you can see that based on, I think, that second part of the quote we talked about, we need stars, we need to compliment I think at that point, he probably thought that they were going to spend. And for some reason, that has not happened. And it might be a decision he was involved in uh, significantly. It might not have been. But I think as Zach Scott told us the other day, you know, as a baseball organization or really in any business, it makes sense to, you know, under promise and over deliver instead of the opposite. And that's what they've done here. And now it's this backtracking, backtracking, backtracking piece of it. Another quote, uh, part of this from Warner that you got. We felt very strongly we were going to compete for Yamamoto. In the end, he went to another team. We felt we were in the mix and we were going to be competitive. Um, we're going to be pressing all levers, free agency trades, talent from the minors. I understand that he is, in a sense, kind of walking this back. Saying you're pressing all levers, you're trying to find guys through free agency trade and the minor leagues, Like, isn't that just kind of a simple task of any baseball organization. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's kind of self-evident, right? All 30 teams are to yeah. varying degrees and with varying levels of commitment using all of those levers as well, free agency, trade, uh, internal promotion. But the question is how much and how aggressively are you pursuing free agency and trades? Uh, you know, they traded for Tyler O'Neill a useful player who's probably going to help them in the outfield. They traded for Vaughn Grissom, who's could be the second baseman for the next five or six years, if not longer. Those aren't necessarily bad moves. In fact, on paper, they look like good moves, but they're not the dramatic headline grabbing. We are the Boston Red Sox and we are back in the game kind of transactions that people seem to be hoping were going to take place when Warner said those words, however ill-fated they were in the first week of November. So the interesting question then comes down to what is the payroll? Is the payroll going down? Is your budget decreasing? And 
seems like a deflection here. In the end, we don't have a line in terms of our payroll that we look at as much as trusting that Craig Breslow is going to deliver on his assurance that we're going to be competitive. I found that interesting because I don't think it's true, number one. And number two, um, that's kind of a, you know, you can look at it in two ways. One, hey, they're really empowering, or at least this quote suggests that they're empowering the new CBO. Or you can look at it as, hey, my hands are clean. Craig makes the calls. He's got all our money. We have to see what he does with it. Well, I, I think there might be one other interpretation here, and it gets back to the Zach Scott interview. You'll recall that he said that Henry, as an owner, often had to be convinced to make a big investment or a move. Uh, we know that to be true from the Theo Epstein era with the Red Sox, that there were times that Theo had to kind of pound the table and tell John that this was worth it and this was a move we have to make and we have to commit to this and this will make us a World Series contender. Um, and maybe the message, if you're reading between the lines from Warner yesterday, was, well, we have a general idea where our payroll is going to be, but we're open to moves that could make us better if the case is properly made. <laughs> but I wonder whether Breslow, as a uh, as a lead executive for only the last three months, feels he has the agency or standing to make that kind of appeal to Henry, to say, look, Jordan Montgomery for $160 million will put us in the wild card picture in the American League. He gives us innings. He gives us a left-hander in the rotation. This is a move we need to make. I mean, can we look at Warner's explanation on the payroll issue as, uh, you know, interpreting or, or relaying that we have a general idea of what we want to spend, but Craig is always uh, able to come to us and make the case if he needs to make a bigger outlay than we had, we had envisioned. I mean, I kind of read it as, you know, there are certain special cases where we might, you know, go full throttle, I guess. Like Yamamoto. Oh, Yamamoto. Who who knows? Again, we don't know what they offered. And I think um, <clears throat> my sense is if they were over 300, it probably would have gotten out to this point as kind of a positive leak. Maybe not because of the way Breslow, you know, has the front office, um, you know, being very, very tight lipped right now. I think, you know, maybe the payroll could have blown past 230 or 237 for him, or maybe Otani if they were interested in him. Uh, and that obviously did not really seem like they were strongly in at the end, but Otani, you know, whittled his teams pretty quickly. And maybe the line was drawn. You know, if it's not those two guys, then we're, we're setting it here and we're reigning in expectations. Could and be. maybe, maybe, and, and the guess based on how they've acted with these two guys is that Montgomery and Snell do not fall on that line of, you know, let's go, go past, you know, a number we're comfortable with. Right. And, and I think that's maybe where a lot of Red Sox fans have an issue with their direction this winter. And because they're essentially being told if there's a really special guy like Yamamoto, a 25 year old who profiles as a possible or likely number one starter for the next eight, 10 years, yeah, that's worth going all in on or full throttle, as it were. But if there are guys that are going to be number two or number three starters who are going to get us from 78 wins 
to 85 or 86 wins on the fringe of a wild card spot, then maybe we're better off just getting there on our own. That sure looks like what the philosophy and the thinking has been without them detailing it specifically. Yet, if there's a, a really big guy, we'll be in because we always have been and because we're the Red Sox, but we don't want to pay somebody $20 million a year or $18 million a year to lift us up by a handful of wins over last year. Mm -hmm. We'd rather do that on our own with internal promotion and drafting and relying on the inventory of prospects that we've built up. And then we'll add those kind of, you know, mid-level free agents who can round out a team and turn it from a wild card team into an actual pennant contender. And I think that's a good segue to Breslow's conversation with Pete Abraham yesterday. Some of the quotes here suggest, you know, the reading between the lines of this, and I think fans are all over this on on Twitter even before I really kind of got my hands around this, was if you read these quotes, and I will in a second, you can't come away from them thinking Craig Breslow thinks that this team is a legitimate contender worth adding to. He thinks they're too far away and that all contributions will come from within. He said this conversation probably quickly bleeds into the overall direction of the club. I don't think it makes a ton of sense to give up some of our prospects for pitchers that don't also come with a ton of control, just given the emergence of this young core around who we intend to build. So that is one where, hey, we're not going out and getting a one-year rental because this team's not one year away. And now you know, Pete asked if owner if ownership was committed to building a contender and would spend what it took to reach that goal. Little word salad but get through this. That's a fair question, Breslow said, as I've gotten to know this organization better through conversations I've had with ownership. They absolutely are still supportive of assembling a World Series team as quickly as we possibly can. Well, that's good. They're not against winning a World Series. That's a great quote. I think the reality is that it's going to require a step forward from the young position players. It's going to require the build-out of a talent pipeline of arms that we can acquire, we draft, and we develop internally. And it's going to require aggressive player development in the minor leagues and the major leagues. So guys we think are the next wave, Meyer, Anthony Teal, that group are not just big leaguers, but impact big leaguers. The convergence of all those pieces is the fastest path to a World Series team. We want to build this thing in a way there's not only quality once in a while, but there's quality paired with consistency. That is the mission statement Heim Bloom laid out in 2019. But the problem is it's 2024 and fans are sick and tired of hearing that type of rhetoric and they thought this team was close. And I think a, you know, again, good on Breslow for, you know, being somewhat candid there. And if you read between the lines, I think, you know, again, he thinks that they're more than a year away. Um, but that does not suggest anything close to full throttle. And I think the lowering of expectations is full on here. Yeah. And, you know, thinking about Breslow's comments, which were, made public before I spoke to Tom Warner. If I had to do it again, I guess the question I would ask Tom would be, uh, if this is the approach, why change out Heim Bloom for Craig Breslow? Because as you noted and others have noted, this is essentially the approach that Bloom was uh, taking in in a sort of slow but steady build up to coincide with the arrival of the three elite prospects, which could be contributors toward the end of 24, but certainly are expected to uh, 
be part of the roster in 2025. Why change the guy making the calls if he was already following that pathway? That's one of the reason. That's one of the things that has gone unexplained, and perhaps it's a question that can get asked this weekend in Springfield because, as Tom Warner told me, uh, it's his understanding that there's going to be a media availability for him, whether that's in conjunction with Sam Kennedy or Craig Breslow or separately. But that would be a good question to follow up, and frankly, it's one I should have asked at the time. But there, there were a you know a lot of things to react to, and and I, I didn't get to that. But it seems to me they could have done everything they've done or everything they've not done this winter with Heim Bloom still sitting in the big chair instead of Craig Breslow. It hasn't represented a sea change by any stretch of the imagination. No, it hasn't. And you know, I think if you look at kind of the way he's talking um again like i said it suggested his internal audit and looking what they have looking at what they have he was maybe underwhelmed and you know from going from okay this team you know seems to be some exciting young players taking a step heading back, in the right thinking, direction yeah and i think he still believes that but not mm-hmm. you know on the verge I, I tend to think that they are going to be better next next year than last year. I think there are going to be a lot of guys that will step forward, and we'll talk about a season preview once we have the full roster together. I'm actually high on some of the guys they have. I do think they need to add to the rotation still, but a guy like Willie Abreu I could see being good, maybe even better than Verdugo and Wright. I think the infield's going to be pretty good. Um, you know, the bullpen is elite. Like, there's reasons to be um, – excited but maybe that's just a low bar based on what we've seen the last few years where oh they could get to 84 85 wins these are not the teams that you covered you know in the early 2000s or that we both covered in 2018 right maybe the bar has been lowered um but i think breslow is lowering the bar a little bit just with these kind of comments and um suggesting again that hey we need internal red free somewhat upgrades you know we need these guys who are you know making 740,000 instead of 720,000 last year to be better when there's some certainty that comes with going out and getting you know name your pitcher or or whatever it is the problem and and I don't disagree with your suggestion that they could improve to the low to mid 80s in terms of win total and that uh, a lot of younger guys from Duran to Raffaella to Grissom to Abreu and others could take steps forward. But we all know what the team's, uh, sorry to use this phrase, Achilles heel was last year, and that is starting pitching. And they still need, by most assessments, two more starters. I mean, you know, even if you swap out Giolito for sale uh, and, you know, argue that that's essentially a wash given that sale is not as durable, is not as dominant as he once was. Even if you call that a wash, um, this is a team that finished 21st in in rotation ERA and 24th in innings pitched from its rotation. And they haven't really addressed any of that because they're kind of at ground zero uh, trading sale and signing Giolito. They still need two more starters to take a step forward with what was their biggest weakness from a year ago and time's running out to do that. Yeah. And, and Bresla with another nugget here from Pete, Abe, 
Giolito, Bayo, Crawford, and Pavetta are being in the rotation with Hauk, Whitlock, and Winkowski competing for a spot. If they go into spring training like that, I mean, it's almost – I'm like – I think that, you know, Hauk and Whitlock and Winkowski all have had great moments in the major leagues. They're all talented. They are, as you've mentioned at this point, failed starters in a way. You know, Hauk had a horrible year last year. I know he got hit in the head, and I know all that plays into it, but – um they wanted a step forward from him. This was a subject of a notebook we've talked about a lot. How can Whitlock having very disappointing years? To me, I've been pounding the drum, put them in the bullpen. They're better suited there. They're going to be elite there, probably. Your bullpen's going to be stacked, even if you keep, you know, trade Jansen. Winkowski was good out of the bullpen. Like, you're asking for too much in the way of internal improvements and yep. things to break right, which they've been doing for years when you can right. go none, out and there's none of those to be had. None of those three guys can you reasonably expect to be even league average starters right now? Now, maybe all three uh, turn the corner, whether it's a, a new pitch or attention to the pitch mix or, or some mechanical Andrew, adjustment. Andrew Bailey works his magic, something like that. Right. But what are the odds that all three of those things happen or even two of them happen? You know, if, if you got one of those three to emerge as a, you know, 170 inning, 12 to 14 win guy, you'd be ecstatic. But to to you know to be sort of hanging your hat on more than one of them contributing in that role uh, is, is probably asking too much, and it's not enough to lift the rest of that rotation to where it needs to be for them to compete in that division. And we're just talking about the Hulk Whitlock Winkowski group, and that is yeah. not to suggest right. that Cutter, Cutter Crawford got no Cy Young award votes last year that I recall. Yeah, no, I mean, no knock on him, a guy that could well be a pretty good major league starter, maybe even this coming season. But again, you're projecting and you're hoping you're not expecting. Yeah, I mean, he had a good year when he was out there, but it was the getting through the four and a half or four and a third to five innings to third time through the order to all that stuff came into play. And so you need a step forward from him. You need a big step forward in a bounce back way from Giolito because he's been bad the last couple of years. And they think that they have the tools and the ingredients to do that. And he's done it in the past, but it's not like there's certainty there. Bayo, as much as the upside is there. And as much as I think this guy is going to be a super, uh, a future ace. And I think you think pretty highly of him too. And he's been absolutely dominant. Sometimes the second half last year was not great. Fastball got hit super hard. There were some really non-competitive starts. And so you do need a step forward from him as well. And Pavetta, like Pavetta's career, the hallmark of Pavetta's career is inconsistency. He gives you, you know, a ton of innings and a ton of starts. He's out there every day and good on him for that, or every five days or whenever they pitch him last year, good on him for that. But it's the inconsistency over the course of 162. You're not going to be able to get that consistent, you know, you saw it a couple of years ago. He was really good for stretches, horrendous against the AL East. Last year, horrendous out of the rotation to start. Good in the middle of the year from the bullpen hit a wall, back in the rotation, average, like, he's consistently inconsistent. And so you're looking at four guys who, you know, Bayo represents the most certainty. But I think you got to look at this in comparison. And I, I brought this up either last week or the other day with the 2018 team. You knew what you were going to get out of Sale, Price, Porcello, by the end, Evaldi. And, you know, if you get a good start out of whatever, whoever it was in that fifth spot, Erod, Stephen Wright, Pomeranz, you'd be happy with it. Like 
that's the level it takes to have a rotation. Look at you know what Atlanta has or what Texas has or what some of these teams look even have. at what Toronto has. Yeah, not right. a particular world beater in that division, though they did make the playoffs the last two years. But look at their rotation now matched up against the Red Sox, and you tell me who's in better shape with their starting pitching. And Yariel Rodriguez, a guy I've been linked to the Red Sox, seems to be joining that rotation too with obviously, uh, you know, Gaussman and Bassett and those guys leading the way. Like that's, you know, Gaussman still quietly is a, a bona fide number one, an ace. You know, Bassett's been around for a while. A good Barrios, right. You know, and they have Maybe had, Manoa comes back. <laughs> we, you, you don't know what happens He's there. Be our, but... our Cy Young guy again, because that worked out so well last time. Um you know, and and even with the with the Yankees have, which at least they have Cole. You know, they have, uh, and obviously now Stroman, some of these guys, and and the Red Sox just just don't match up with that. Um, Sean, before we wrap, any other final thoughts on just Breslow yesterday? If you thought it was a tone shift, if he was trying to manage expectations, anything else stick out from that particular interview? No, I you know I I, I look. We, we welcome some clarification, even if they're not the most, as Tom Warner said, artful explanations, some window into what they're thinking, how they're trying to do this, and to communicate that goal and and objectives to the fan base. Uh, now they have to act on it, and now they've got to do a lot of work in less than a month to get this team uh, above the 78 win total that it experienced a year ago. Yep. Obviously, as we said, this weekend will be a big one, and we are going to give you a little preview of that big weekend. This is supposed to be a family show. We cannot promise that tomorrow's episode will be. Jonathan Papelbon, the former Red Sox closer, now Nesson analyst and the host of the Ocho Cinco show on Friday night, the Town Hall Replacement. He'll be joining us on the Thursday episode of the Fenway Rundown this week. So we look forward to whatever that might turn out uh, to be. Again, everything's on the site. We'll have another pod tomorrow. Winter weekend will be fully covered everywhere, including, you guessed it, our Insider Text program. Yes, siree. Just text the word JOIN to 617-751-6257. Click the link to subscribe. It's an opportunity to stay current all the time, year-round, 24-7 on Red Sox News, to be able to share your comments and questions with us, with me, with Chris, with Chris Smith, and all you have to do is sign up. It's a free 14-day trial, and then it's $4.99 a month after that. This has been the Fenway Rundown, brought to you by Mass Live.